I'd like to go ahead and get started. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and point to the president of the National Conference of Youth Ministry. Would you please, Mr. President Josh, lead us in a prayer? Just feel like we got to do that. Okay. All right. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks for letting us all be here together um, just to uh, talk more about how we can connect with uh, this generation of teens and uh, just pray that you speak through David and uh, as he has uh, put together some information that will help us do that. We just pray that you speak through him and help us all as we uh, try and grow closer to you and help teens grow closer to you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So June uh, marks my 30th year of doing paid youth ministry, and uh, that's kind of a crazy thought. It's my first internship, 1988, at the Midtown Church, which is now the Legacy Church, a Heritage Church, rather, and uh, David Lee Roth was still with Van Halen. So that's how long ago that was before the whole Sammy Hagar days. That's just for you 80s people, just so we can put ourselves in time. Um, and I, I still remember that summer, because... It was the day where when you came to church and you did youth ministry, you wore slacks. You wore a tie. Anybody with me? Because that's what you did. You didn't get to dress like this. Uh, you had to tuck in, all of that. My hair was feathered. I had a killer mustache. It was a long time ago. And I remember they gave me the keys to the van. Now, 25-passenger van. No CDL. I was 19 years old. I mean, think about that. Never in, in, I would never do that with interns today. I was 19 years old, and the youth minister looked at me and said, here's the keys to the van. You're going to go to the Summer Youth Series. Anybody from the Dallas-Fort Worth area? These were huge. We're talking 1,000 to 1,500 people. Not even making this up. Tuesday night was Dallas. Thursday night was Fort Worth, and you chose which one to go to as a good youth minister based on where Jeff Walling will eventually follow. Okay, that's kind of where you would go, and who the big speakers were. Randy Gill would come out from Pepperdine, and it was really a big deal. Well, I was given that role, go take the kids, because youth minister couldn't come. 19 years old, 25-passenger van, I got lost. I grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth, but I was an hour late back to the building. That's the first time I realized, hey, this is great. I'm 19, and I'm at this big church, Midtown. This is awesome, and, and I, I got to take all my kids to a youth conference. It was so much fun. Hour late. That's when I realized that parents don't like being an hour late. That's before cell phones. You didn't stop at the Burger King and put a quarter in. We had pay phones. Great youth ministry strategy. I mean, that, those were back in those days. That was bad enough. Well, the next day, I didn't park the van in the right location. It was in the back of the property, and my youth minister's like, let's pull the van up and let's clean it out, because i got to learn that. I'm an intern, right? And so he's underneath the awning, and he's doing this. And I thought he was going, come on down, let's get in the shade. It's hot in Dallas. He was actually doing this. And I rammed this 25-passenger bus underneath the awning. Second intern mistake. Now, that same summer, we went to summer camp. Actually, Scott over here was there. And it was such a, I'm telling you, to be um, at the camp with my youth group that I'm working with, with my youth minister, and some of my hero youth ministers, was one of the greatest things ever. To get to be able to preach there and, and kind of come as a, as a peer, that was an awful lot of fun. So I was there with heroes. I had a lot of heartaches. And I'll tell you about the hot tub moments later. There were no hot tub moments that first year in youth ministry. But in 30 years looking back, it is still an honor to be able to serve with many of the people in this room. When I come to Pepperdine, some of the people that are 
you know, teaching. You know, the Don McLaughlin's all of that. Back when, when they had a real calling to work with students that didn't lower themselves to the pulpit, that was a lot of fun. You know, you had, you had Rick actually, you actually spent, okay, one summer as a youth minister. He was done, okay, uh, to be able to see him. But literally some of us in this room, and some of us, when you see us hugging and talking, you're like, okay, it was youth ministry that brought us together. You'll hear Josh Ross tonight. Josh Ross married Casey Ross, who grew up in my youth group, and I performed their wedding way back in the day when he was just this little kid. We both love Nebraska football. If you ever follow us on Twitter, it's like Jesus, ministry, Nebraska football. It's it kind of strange and confusing. But literally yesterday, in one of my greatest heartbreak moments, my wife and I, May 2nd, 19 years ago, I had a bus accident that killed six of my kids. And still to this day, I get two phone calls. One is from Josh, who married a girl who was sitting next to my wife in the bus, in the van behind our bus. And I get a call from his father-in-law, Kelly Rogers, who we call Papa Raj, who was there with us and was the elder on that trip 19 years later. Heroes in my book. And this guy right here, his wife gave him up and was at my house the next day and spent every night with my family. And all the heroes and the heartache moments, it is awesome that we get to do what we do. Okay, all the ups and downs. Because that same summer, 30 years ago, I remember the first time that I was responsible to present the gospel message. And to see kids and kind of their eyes begin to twinkle like, I get this Jesus thing, and to give their lives to Jesus still just gets me excited. And it should get you excited. That's one of the main things that we do is to assist people in giving this Jesus to teenagers. And we get to do that. We're cultural missionaries. And to be able to do that still gives me a thrill. Last Wednesday, I'm training at the school where I work. I'm Coach Phrase in Another World, uh, where I serve as a character coach at a public high school next to my ministry context. And I'm sitting there and I'm training. It's 5.30 in the afternoon. And a kid comes up and he goes, Coach? And I said, yeah. He goes, man, I want to get baptized. Right there in a public school, and I'm like, are you kidding me? That is awesome. Yeah, in a public school. It's, it's being recorded. It's awesome. Yeah, there was no Title IX or ACLU rules broken. I mean, it's an amazing <laughs> moment. It still just excites me to be able to be in that situation through all the ups and downs. It reminds me a little bit of a roller coaster. Now, I'm a video weirdo, so we're going to watch two or three videos today. Um, this is from Jimmy Fallon. He's probably one of the coolest dudes ever. And, yeah, here we go. Watch this. Here we go, here we go. Let me get it, let me get it. Let me get it, let me get it. Are you serious? I'm serious. You're good. I'm not, I'm a grown man. Is he straightforward? You're being bad. This is an event. Look at this thing. Look at the roll on it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
fun so much fun so tell me about your experience in youth ministry even if you're a volunteer um it, here how i said that even if because really the core of youth ministry is volunteers most of us volunteered before we ever got paid to do this i do a lot of work with uh, other faith tribes and some faith tribes are made up totally of volunteers mm -hmm. they have no training like some of you had training they just love students they started volunteering next thing you know their church is like you need to be the one that actually leads this ministry so we're all a part of this. I don't want to go through my intergenerational Deuteronomy 6 stuff, but we are part of this thing called youth ministry. How is that video like your experience as a student minister? Somebody tell me. You never know what's coming next. You never know what's going to come next. Any of y'all work with middle school kids? <laughs> Anyone ever had a sex lesson with middle school kids? <laughs> Isn't that the best? Oh, my word. They ask all kinds of questions, and it's incredible. Okay, what else? Highs and lows. Awesome. Let's be specific. We're having therapy here. Nobody will know who you are unless I mention your name on this device. So Sometimes well, when you're dead tired, you got to keep going. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm going to throw up. I don't want to do this. Absolutely. And you got to keep going. You never know what's going to hit you. Like a bug. Right. You never know. How many of y'all just like had the very best weekend ever, and you show up Monday, and you get that email from a parent? Yeah. Okay, I've been doing this a long time, and this is what happened to me. Okay, and I hope this person hears it because it's still kind of fresh on my brain. I, look, this was literally about a year and a half ago, and I went on a trip, and I always count. Okay, that is like a rookie mistake. But there's this one time on this trip when we merge youth groups, and we go to a place called White Sands, okay? And we, we all kind of, I go through the building. I went through the building twice, okay? One kid decided, I'm tired, went upstairs, and covered himself with sleeping bags on a couch. Literally, and this is bad because we had, you know, social media, I'm literally halfway to White Sands, and everybody's looking around the bands. We had a walkie-talkie system. We had like six bands. Uh, has anybody seen this kid? Has anybody seen this kid? And I'm like, oh, no. And immediately, the kids got on their phones. Ooh, start tweeting. We missed, you know, such and such <laughs> left at the building. I'm like, stop it, please. So I had my wife call the parent, and... I'm like, hey, dude, your kids in the building. I'm sending somebody to pick them up. They're not going to White Sands because I'm not turning around. And literally to this day, these kids are about to graduate. And one of the great stories is, and there's a whole thread on Twitter, is the day that I left this kid. It is part of his senior memories is being left by friends. Now, the part that aggravated me is it was a great trip. But on Tuesday, 
One of my supervisors, who's also a youth ministry veteran, brought me into his office and said, Dave, you know, the parent called and was a little bit concerned about the way we do student ministry. And, you know, when I was a youth minister, we counted before we got on band. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I'm just looking at it going, are you really, and I'd say this, are you really having this conversation with me? I made a mistake. I said, okay, I'll count next time. And I didn't want to be like that guy that doesn't take correction because I totally can, but I was tired. It was the middle of summer. I'm old, and I'm like, dude, just let me go home and nap. So we have those highs and lows, and we don't know what's going to come at us. Anybody else? Let's have some therapy. How is that like youth ministry? Worry and anxiety. Yeah, like exactly worry and anxiety. What, what do you feel? Can I just, I'm not going to say your name. What's the worry and anxiety you feel? Um, I guess I just, there's a lot of fear Okay, name one of those fears. Um, Late night driving on a van. Kids in the back. Yeah. How many of you just turned the lights on and said hand check just because? That still works, young bucks. Just throw the light on, hand check, make them raise their hands. What, what, can you think of anything? Um, I guess for me, it's just going into situations that I'm, I feel not equipped to handle. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to the crowd. That we get to that situation, and it, what I love about youth ministry, it is like, and I'm going to call it the tip of the spear of what we do a lot in evangelism, because we are right there in their culture trying to translate timeless truths right there into these students. We're assisting families in kind of this whole, this is Jesus. We're assisting them, teaching them for life and eternity, and then we're also trying to assimilate them into the overall body. And that's difficult. You're like, how can I do this? Uh, literally Monday meeting with, and we'll get to you in just a second, meeting with uh, the Fuller group. One of the projects we're working on is, okay, we've done Sticky Faith, we've done Growing Young, we know we need to you know, do that kind of ministry. You know it ourselves. And just to let you know, our faith tribe is 10 years ahead of most faith tribes. We do intergenerational well. And this is a strange thing, because we have students actually in our worship services. That, that's natural for us. You know how many churches don't do that? That they kind of outsource students. We, there's so many things that our faith tribe is kind of teaching and learning. But one of the frustrations is a lot of the pushback in this idea of living together as a community intergenerational are the senior ministers, senior pastors, leaderships of these churches that don't realize the way we do youth ministry needs to change. Because they still hire us if we look good, we speak good, we can organize, and we're, we're hot shots. But what if you're an introvert? What, what, what if you're just an authentic adult presence? You know what I've learned now since I'm not cool anymore at 49? I've done better youth ministry in the last 10 years of my life than I ever did when I was 20. Kids actually flock to talk to me. You know why? Because they know that I have something to say. Have you all sensed that? So some of you who aren't cool like me, welcome. All right, that's awesome. You were going to say something, then we'll move on. Well, um, I had the, we went to this uh, campus, uh, Christian camp, <coughs> anonymously wrote a little note, uh, what are your fears, something like that. And uh, when you're with your youth group in church, they're happy and, you know, but when they have an anonymous note, they're writing things like, I don't know if I'm good enough, um, mm. I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm lonely, um, it might... Just things like that, and you have like I have 15 letters of these kids, and their true feelings of doubt. And I know it's part of being a high school or middle schooler, but at the same time, you're at, up at night thinking, how can I? How am I going to address this? Mm. How can I? God help me through church events. 
other our youth minister, other youth leaders. And so that's constantly on my mind that these kids are going through these things in school and how constant prayer to reach these kids. Just love that. And some of us have teenagers ourselves or college students. You're like, I get that. As parents who wake up in the middle of the night, but can we help her? How many of y'all as youth workers have stayed up at night with exactly what she's talking about? Dude, you can't sleep because a kid is on your mind. You're like, did I miss this? Okay. Are you a real live uncaged teenager? This is my daughter. She's 12 years old. She's Hi, hello, 12 years old. Do you know the crazy thing is because we love you. Thank you for being in here. What took us five years for most of us who grew up in the 80s, now is a 15-year process. Some of you younger youth ministers know that. What, what was 18 and, hey, go to college, have fun, now is mid-20s. Okay, so the world's changed. And I want to tell you about two resources that I, I think you should get. And they're from our tribe, and they're very well acclaimed, all right? Um, you need to press a word and pass a word, and you also need to get these for your volunteers. You need to get them. If you have an intern, buy one for them. Buy the set. Here's the deal. One of them is called Owning Faith. Um, it, it addresses a lot of the cultural and the difference of some of the stuff that we're talking about that we can't cover in this class. This is a really good resource. It's an edited book. And so you're going to have chapters from several of us in here. Get this. It'll answer a lot of your questions. Um, I can't get paid without saying intergenerational. I write about that in there, so that's good. This is uh, my book that just came out recently. Uh, let me tell you why I wrote this. Uh, I love Doug. I love these, these guys that write. I love Duffy. They're all wonderful. And they've kind of served as the basis for a lot of what we do. Okay, very practical. This book is unique in the market for this. Some of you... Um, you get out of seminary, you get out of university, or you're a volunteer and you just join this idea called student ministry, and you're like, I don't know where to start. And if you ever bought a VCR, remember, or a computer, you have two sets of instructions, right? You have the complete set. Does anybody read the complete set? No, I didn't think so. I didn't think there were any of those in here. Probably. Phil, you? Maybe. Yes, maybe, Phil. Um, how many of y'all take the quick start guide and just plug the sucker in? Okay, that's most of us. That's what this is. It is everything you would ever want to know about how to start, and it just gets you on a good trajectory. So we have those back there. I'd love for you to buy both of them. I'd love for my kids to be able to go to college. So that's, this will help that. Um, but I believe in this resource. It's why I wrote it. Um, it is very practical in that regard. It goes theological, but it also, because uh, we got to know why we're doing what we're doing. You can give this to your elders. You can give this to your lead minister. It is that simple of a resource because we got to help people understand exactly what we do. Okay, this is a good place to start. Um, let me show you another video because here's the problem: is that most of us do feel like you do that we're not equipped and we're not cool enough, and we may feel like these guys. Anybody watch John Christ? Mm -hmm. Yes, dude, this is one of his best. Watch this. My name's Doug. I'm a pastor from Oklahoma. I don't know. My Sermons and illustrations, they're just not really connecting these days. So I tried everything. Books, prayer, books on prayer, fasting. Nothing's really working. We grew up in church. We've just seen over time pastors just kind of become outdated. We wanted to create a program to help pastors kind of become more relevant. Help extend their reach. Just, you know, build their platform a little. Throw a little juju on their beat. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, how you doing, sir? I'm okay. 
What can we do for you? Well, things have been kind of rough for me the past few months. Yeah, church not going well, huh? Uh, no, attendance is flat, tithing's low. I'm not really connecting with my congregation. Well, Doug, Buka khakis. That's not helping anything. Is there a challenge your church? Running Man challenge. Pokemon Go series. Crying Jordan jokes. <laughs> so we knew you were coming in. We took a look at some of your sermon series. You had one recently called uh, The Parables of Jesus. Oh, I'm bored. <laughs> All right, we just optioned a sermon series called Screenshotted If Jesus Had a Snapchat. We did. It helped literally no one. But he got so many followers from <laughs> You ever heard of Netflix and Chuck? Netflix and God's Will. What about Walking Dead? The Walking Bread. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know. Finding Glory. Finding Glory? You got it, Doug. You're on it. So you just take mainstream titles and you make them Christian. Is that even legal? Hey, little phrase we like to say around here, trust the process. You know what's back now these days? A uh, little series you might have heard of it, Gilmore Girls. We already wrote a book called Fulfillmore Girls. Yeah, what do you think about that? I don't understand why you would imitate a culture that we're supposed to be against. Let's hop on your social media. Let's take a look at that. There's a lot of food there. Doug, look, you posted an Instagram at a Kroger. Okay. Oh, bad news, Doug. You don't shop at Kroger anymore, okay? Whole Foods and Trader Joe's is where you're going to go. Farmers Markets photos do so well for your new brand. Doug, we got to hook you up with a personal trainer. Are you a member of a gym? It's real simple, okay? What we start with is the non-denominational multivitamin, which is going to give you a little bit more pep in your step, a little bit more energy on Sunday mornings. If you want to go a step up from there, we have the Groeschel gummies. What that's going to do for you is give a little more tone in the shoulders, make those sweaters fit a little tighter. Now, if you want to go all the way, verdict food. I don't know, guys. I just want to preach. And you will, but first, hair makeup. Doug, you're wearing a polo shirt tucked into your khakis. Are you speaking of the golf pro shop? Tiger Woods, you not? I'm going to tuck it for you. First of all, the length of the shirt is a problem. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. You see this line right here? That's a swag pastor staple. We call it the straight and narrow. <laughs> we did it. I just rededicated my life. You look amazing. <gasps> Let's head over to your church. We got work to do. We'll swag out that sanctuary, add a wood pallet background. What? <laughs> I love it because you're sarcasm, but how many of us feel that way? Literally feel that way because we feel inadequate. So welcome, we all, that, that's just who we are. I love that uh, what Don said last night. I, I love what Scott McKnight said. Um, it was anybody in that session? I know Walter was. It was get it. It was very very powerful because he talked about how Paul stood against the culture, like was just described there, to be authentic. And I'm just letting you know if I could give you one word and one thing you'll remember is authentic presence means more than anything else in a student's life. If they know that your agenda is their agenda, you're in. There's something to that. Now, it can't be quantified. Uh, the way that people would want to quantify it. It's not as sexy, if you will, okay? But in a student's life, when you've been doing ministry long enough, you'll realize the students that come back are the ones that you had authentic relationship with. Or, in a large church situation, had authentic relationship with the adults in your church. I had a plumber come over to my house the other day for one of those home warranty calls, and I, he knocked on the door, and I opened the door, and he looked at me, and he said, Phrase! And I'm like, he was in my youth group in 1988. 
and he started telling me who he married and then divorced and you know, then had another marriage and it was the sweetest conversation and it was all because an authentic connection was made almost 30 years ago. So yeah, we're being relevant, asking those questions, how can we be better culturally relevant? That's, that's all right, but never lose touch of what's truly significant and important. So here's what I like to do. I'm gonna take you through three phases. You're gonna talk with me. This is how the book is written, but I'm gonna go through one section that, that I'd like for us to cover here. If we're gonna be a hero ourselves, survive the ups and downs, all the excitement, and uh, be able to set up and survive a hot tub moment, which I'll talk about later. But the book is broken up in three parts. It's the way that I teach, the way that I am a professor, I believe in this. We're going to talk about what the Bible says, the theology behind our practices, then a few suggestions of how we practice this stuff, and then what do I do right now? Because if you're like me, a class, you know, that doesn't give me anything practical, I'm probably not going to remember it, all right? So we're going to talk about this idea of self-care. And I'm going to start with a question. In just a moment, you're going to talk to the person next to you. Because if you do not have good self-care, you will not survive the long haul in student ministry. Uh, you just won't. Okay? And we're going to talk about what self-care means. Uh, if you've been a veteran youth minister, this is going to bless your life. If you're starting out brand new, take a picture of every screen because this comes from Hard Knocks Cafe. Okay? This is what this is. Uh, but here's what I want you to do the person next to you. And if you're by yourself... Have a talk with yourself, or if you're bold, talk to the people around you. This one, and I will ask some of you to respond. Have you ever been so exhausted that you wanted to walk away from youth ministry? Go, talk. <laughs> we don't have a lot of time, so get talking. I know. <laughs> Especially when right before we Trying to get ready. Oh, yeah. Right after. Yeah. Especially like during the summer. I feel like. My youth group is always in the Like we have a mission trip this year, right before you come. So we or get back that Friday and then we leave again for a or on Sunday. So we're home for a day. I'm doing a co-mission trip with a local church. All right, because of time, here we go. Somebody, would somebody like to share? And maybe you're like, dude, I'm at Pepperdine. I am looking on the job board. I'm done. I'm going to see if I can get fired so I can have three months off, and then, then I'll get hired again. That may be you, but how many of y'all been in that situation like, dude, I'm done? Okay, can, anybody want to explain? Anybody have some more therapy? I will not mention your name. I'll keep saying Scott and Phil, then everybody's, I'll say Josh. These three guys, I'll say it's Sandy. You know, Walter. I mean, we can make that name. What is your, what is, what is that moment like for you? Yes, sir. I guess I had one of those moments recently where you're, you're really pouring into a, to a student and you really feel like I'm getting somewhere with this kid. He gets it. I'm really making a difference. And then you see their social media and you realize you've done absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> now the good news is... All the things you've been working on and talking through and they're saying all the right things and yeah. then their life outside of church just isn't adding up. And that gives you that moment of, yeah. what am I doing here? And the great news is, is they live a duplicitous life and they think it's normal. So there's still hope. Absolutely. I'd throw a little Dr. Phrase moment in there, but it's still, when you've been working with someone, they're like, going, well, F you. On social media, you're like going, by the way, that was Phil on his social media. <laughs> you're like, oh my word. And it's so, because in my world, that's hypocritical. And they may see the survival, and you want that spiritual world to blend in with the external things that we see. And sometimes we don't see that. Anybody like mowing their yard? I love doing yard work. You know why? Here's the whole reason. My wife will tell you. I can start it, 
and I can finish it and I can look at it and say, that looks good. Or that needs fixing. But when you work with teenagers, you don't know. You're like, that kid's going to end up in jail. Next thing you know, 20 years later, she's a preacher. You know? Don McLaughlin. Right? I mean, that, that kind of stuff. What else? Yes. Super Bowl Sunday. So haven't experienced a Super Bowl Sunday without teenagers in 15 years. So you just start thinking, you know, I'm surrounding myself by yeah. people and or these kids. Uh-huh. 40 years old. Yeah. It's weird. What kind well, of weird life are we living? <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. And you're old enough, Lane. Okay, I won't mention your name. Here's the deal. Back in the day, the Super Bowl commercials, we really wanted to watch them, but because we were sitting next to teenagers, for some reason, we couldn't watch those commercials. Anybody ever been in that deal? We kind of blanked the screen because oh, the commercials were on. Steve-O fought during the commercials. Yeah, you're like going... <laughs> Who cares? You know, it's, it's funny when I realized we had one Super Bowl Sunday that I didn't have kids and I watched the commercials. I'm like, going, this is fun. <laughs> it was good. I got sermon illustrations. It's not really just Super Bowl, but the yeah. whole idea of uh-huh. yeah, how long can I stay in this? Oh, and so I'm good. Youth ministry, but how long? Do, so what's good. my longevity in this? Yeah. yeah. How I mean, many I'm long actually have? Right. And how how long do you have? How long can I be relevant? How long can I do this? Because let's be honest, you know, I I still get on vans and love doing all this stuff and organize stuff. I rode with Josh. I mean, I, I can still do that. Um, he put me in a very cold cabin. I still, for, you know, snowed. You know, he tried to kill me. But other than that, I'm like, I, I enjoy this, but I do things a lot different now than I did in 1988. I, I have to because I'll die. I mean, I just, it, walking up the stairs is enough to win me. I mean, there there's there's a difference. <laughs> And what we do today than we used to do. But you ask yourself the question, when will I not be relevant? And that's hard. Yes. So you asked about being exhausted. I just thought about just kind of thinking about the question. Um, there are times, I don't know if anyone else has had this feeling, but sometimes when it's been, it's kind of like Elijah, when you've had this, I don't want to say success, but you've had a good spiritual ex- experience. And then for me, sometimes, for some reason, I don't know if it's if it's Satan or what, but I go into a, a depression. Yeah. You know, almost, you just feel I don't know if it's just overwhelmed, and do you, you just feel like you know, kind of well, what's next and kind of what to do. So yeah. that has happened. I don't know if that's something that's common. Okay, well, I'm gonna raise my hand. Has anybody else been there? Because you're like, there's a fear. I, my wife's yeah. in the back. We've been married almost 28 years. We've been doing ministry a long time. I would go through like a six month journey, Walter, where I'm like. I'm known for camps and active learning. I'm like, this is great! And I'm like, what do I do next? And I worked with a guy at the Hills. And I mean, our camps are just like these huge, wonderful, spiritual, informative, deep things. And I'd get on the bus, and literally before we got out of the camp, my friend would come up and say, Dave, next year we can... I'm like, stop it. And we decided, no, 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 no. Because we were always ahead because something else has to come next. And so that's why we need self-care. It's so significant. Okay, so I'm going to go through this, and we're going to start by showing you this picture. What, my best friend works for, uh, really, Scott and I's best friend, one of them, works for Southwest Airlines. Do you remember this? This makes me laugh. This is what happened on the flight. Um, my friend's part of the, they call the GO team. So as soon as before this was on the news, he said, pray. And I'm like, what? We were talking. He's like, dude, there's been this, this blow up and all this kind of stuff. And so he's, he works at Love Field. But this is one of the pictures that came out. Notice, nobody's wearing the breathing apparatus correctly. Have you all heard this story? Look at it. 
They didn't know what to do. And this is why we got to talk about self-care. Because some of us, we tell our kids, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to spend time with God. If you're tired, do this. It's what Elijah did. You taught on Elijah, I know. Listen to the voice of God. Take a day off. Sleep. Eat. All that stuff we teach them. And then we have an emergency. We don't know how to put the mask on. Okay? we, we got to know. And this is why we're going to go back to the very basics. Practical, not so simple truths that matter. Okay? In survival, how do I self-care? So let's start by going to the Bible. Bible reading. Okay, here we go. If you got a Bible app, I didn't even put it up there. You're going to read this. It's good therapy for us. Who has Matthew 4.12? Don't make me feel like a middle school teacher. Matthew 4.12. Who has it? Yes, Josh. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, Matthew 14.13. You have a Bible app. Yes, sir. That is a nice future shirt. Um, Luke 5.15-16. There you go. And 9.10. There you go. And John 6.15. And there you go. All right, start from the top. Go ahead, Josh. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Okay. Hear, hear that. John Cousin. He's in prison. Theological context. He's in prison, most likely, because he had to be in prison because Jesus' ministry could not succeed. He knew that, that a part of, his prob part of John's problem was because of his presence. Everybody remember that? Okay, somebody else. Go. Next verse. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Oh, my word. You hear that? John's dead. He's leaving. So, dude, i got to get out of Dodge. We're, you know, playing the gear. See. Okay, go ahead. Luke 5, 15-16. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and the great crowds gathered to him to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. That blew me away. We don't hear that on the big super channels, okay? We're not going to hear that on the, and I don't want to mention the names, of these big, you know, ministries that Jesus is always present. No, he wasn't. Why? Big crowds, and then he would leave. Okay, next one. 9-10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took with them, then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsidia. Listen to that. That's exactly what you're talking about. Woo! Biggest mission trip ever. Demons falling from the sky. It is awesome. People healed. He goes, we're all leaving and we're going to go to a place by ourselves. Okay? Think about that. And then the last one. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Wow. There's a whole different background in John 6. Do you remember in the wilderness when Jesus was tempted and he took a, a stone, tempted to make bread out of it? It is not because he was hungry. Everybody's There's been a lot of people who've had hunger strikes. It says at the end of the temptations after his baptism that Satan would come back at a more convenient time. This is it, folks. Because he just made bread. And they tried to make him king, which would be what Satan promised. I can make you king and you don't have to go to the cross. He withdrew. Why? That sealed his faith. He would go to the cross. He would not be an earthly king. And he had to withdraw. It kept him in the mission. I wrote this in the book. I think it's good to understand. It goes back to Southwest Airlines. Jesus withdrew. He rested. He took in the oxygen of his Father before assisting those around him who were suffocating in need of life-giving oxygen. It's what we're told when we fly to Pepperdine, and the first thing, the parts that we don't hear, 
okay? Because we're on our iPods and we're watching the free Wi-Fi on Southwest, thank the Lord, and we're watching this stuff. They still play that Wi-Fi. I don't have to listen to these ladies and these gentlemen trying to tell me how to save my life until something happens and I'm like, how do I put this thing on? We don't need to be in those situations. If we are healthy, we get to do better ministry. We have to put the oxygen on ourselves first. Does everybody agree with that? Now, if we don't do this right and responsible, this is what gets us fired. And it's what got Jesus in trouble as well. So we're in good company. Let's, let's keep going on. All right. Why do we think we're better than Jesus at handling the pressure of ministry and life? Because you're like, if you don't understand, um, Jesus didn't have the internet. No, but if you've watched, you know, the, the Jesus movie, what is that movie with, uh, oh my word, he's made God for the day. Oh, Bruce, Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. No prayers? I kind of wondered. Okay, this is God. He doesn't need the internet. He created all things. Uh, if he can disengage, and if he knows his life giving, and you've heard every sermon, he has to stay involved with the Spirit to have life to give to somebody else. Why do we think we're better than Jesus? Somebody. We rely on ourselves. Yeah. It's cultural for us to not rely on others or um, mm-hmm. it's kind of a if I can't do this then who am I? Yeah, If I can't do it, if I can't speak this way if I can't get this activity this way if I'm not, it's that comparison game I have to be sharp, if not, they're going to get rid of me mm-hmm. Okay? Thanks. Yes? I was one of the first women uh, paid staff Awesome and, um, You were always having to prove yourself Yeah a little bit more, and it—if you let it, which I did—then yeah. you just wore yourself out. You did, and then you weren't any good to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that another facet of that too, for anyone, is guilt. Mm. That I'm screwed up here, so I'll work really hard here. It's almost a works. Absolutely. Thing. We teach grace to kids when we don't have enough grace for ourselves. Yeah. We can't forgive our ghost. And, and I, I don't want to go through the room because we don't have time. This would be a really good thing if we had all afternoon to talk about how many of us take our days off. <laughs> My wife bought me a book um, when I was involved in the cycle. You're talking about Nugget. That's the coolest name ever. Um, that when I was involved in that cycle, it was a book she found at a garage sale. said, I, when I relax, I feel guilty. And she made me read it. Didn't take because because I was too important. At least I thought. Okay, it wasn't ego. You would not think some of y'all. I'm not an arrogant person at all. But there was a fear. If I stopped, somebody would notice. Maybe I'm not as good as people think that I am. You ever been there? It's getting real up in here, isn't it? I mean, that's that's good. It feels good. Therapy. Yes. Well, why you say that too? My wife had to tell me to stop work or to stop working because I was having so much fun with it. It didn't seem like a job, almost. Yeah. And she said, we need attention. And that woke me up, and that was a good thing, too. Yeah. I work with a lot of coaches, and I always remind them, I'm like, hey, if you got to go home and say, hello, I'm your dad, you need to stop. But we do that because of all these different reasons. Man, I wish we would go on with that. I'm going to show you a clip, though, from Toy Story. And it's the one where they, like, spruce Woody up, okay, because he's going to become part of the gang, and he's about to be a collector's item. Look what happens, and there's a, there's a reason I'm showing this. It's a great video. Let's see if it works. Ready for cleaning? Oh, I got it. 
they, they, at the very end, he, he shows his arm back on, everything is great. He takes his foot. What's on the bottom of Woody's foot? Andy. Andy. And he paints it. And then he says, for display only. He loses his identity. And for a moment, he buys into his own story that he is priceless. And remember, Buzz tries to come and save him. He's like, nope, I don't need anything because now I'm with my gang and I'm important, significant, and I'm going to go into a museum. They're going to pay millions of dollars. It's that he starts believing his own press. Now, something's going to happen later that we'll talk about. And hopefully the video will work. But here's, I want you to consider these words. If you do not plan for and make self-care a priority, it will not happen. You may experience periodic lows in activity, but most teenagers and families and youth ministers are one step away from a crisis. There will never be a perfect time to withdraw from people and practice self-care, but withdrawal you must or you no, will not last long in youth ministry. You have to withdraw. Now it's about to get real up in here again, okay? Because I'm going to go through some practicals that I think that are important for us. Let's talk about what should happen daily. Hopefully you have a rhythm to your day. Hopefully you do. Now, are there exceptions? Let's go back to what happened to Jesus. When Jesus heard of John the Baptist, it said the crowds followed him where? To the other <laughs> side of the lake. So when he got out, that's that famous words is he saw them and they were like sheep without a what? So he ministered to them. Please hear me. That was the exception to the rule of Jesus. You will have exceptions. You will have seasons where you just cannot take a break. But daily, if you can learn a type of rhythm like this, I mean, first of all, pray. That sounds so stupid, doesn't it? To actually pray. But I'm talking about a prayer that's not like, well, God, thank you so much, and asking me, asking, asking. What about the prayer where you're quiet and silent? Where you turn the radio off on the way to work. You just sit there and be still and center yourself. There's all kinds of prayer things that we teach kids. And it's more than opposite my prayer, so God bless what I do. Quite often, our prayer is not trying to seek that connection with God, but telling God what we're going to do, and I hope you bless me. That's not what I'm talking about. A real time where it's still and it's quiet. Sometimes the first thing we do in the morning is reach for our phone. What if that was the first moment of prayer? Okay, you see what I'm saying? All right, uh, read. Not just the Bible. Read everything you can. Buy these two books. Read stuff that's going to encourage you and strengthen you. Sometimes we don't feel like we have time to read. But if you don't read, you're not filling your cup. Okay? Read stuff. If you hear one of these speakers talk about a book, grab that book. I would encourage you to read Henry Nowen's Wounded Healer. It's an incredible book. It's this big. It's very deep. It's fun. And you can read it in 30 minutes. And when you read that book, it'll make you weep because you realize he kind of totally goes to this idea of solitude and us being too good or too bad for ourselves. You're shaking your head. You've read it. It's an incredible book. And it's short. It's a sermon. You can read it in 30 minutes. It just butchers you for a long time. It's good. It's a haunting book. Work. Hear me on this. This is old school. Okay, for all of us that are in our 40s, okay, and some of us that have crossed the great divide, okay. I wish we had a video. That was the most awesome moment. Um, here's the deal. Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble because we don't show up in the office when we're supposed to be in the office, and we don't leave the office we're supposed to leave. Do your work. I don't know how many times as, as a boss of the youth ministry staff, I'm like, guys, you should probably show up more than 9 o'clock in the morning. They're like, why? I'm saying because... The parents we work with show up at 7.30 or 8 at their job. Okay, should you go, and should you go to be in school? I'm in schools all the time. 
but there has to be accountability at the work. You actually have to work. Some of us complain to God and get all stressed out because you wait the week before your camp to plan your camp. That's not God's fault. You just got to work, okay? Again, there's, there's ways to organize and, and uh, work on your schedule. Rest. Actually go to bed at a nice hour. Put the fortnight down, okay? You don't have to talk to your kids. By the way, that is another way of not disconnecting when you start getting on games like that with your kids because they're going to say, hey, we're going to play and we're going to have a whole squad at 11 o'clock. And then you play to what? Two. And you're like, i got to get up in the morning. Okay, so rest. Actually take that phone, turn it off, put it over here. That's hard for me to do. My wife's smiling at me. Yes, it's hard for me to do. And turn off. Put your cell phone on airplane mode. If you got to have it next to you since you're long, put it on airplane mode. You're like, well, what if somebody calls me in the middle of the night? I promise they'll find you. That is so hard when we don't disconnect. Again, why are we better than Jesus? He ran away from people that still needed healing. He would leave towns so he could be connected. Turn off your devices. You know, there's actual research of the brain that if I keep picking up my phone in the middle of the night and that light hits me, guess what? It kicks my brain back on. You're like, I just want to look at a few things so I relax. It doesn't do that. You've got to learn how to relax. That is a daily rhythm that will save you. Okay? So that's daily. Let's look at this idea of weekly. Again, turn off your phone. Can you do that one day a week? My wife tries to help me and says, you know what? The world will not fall apart. I work with teenagers, youth ministers, and coaches. Okay? They have this broad stream of times that they're available. And sometimes I will get the weirdest text at the latest parts of night, and my wife tries to remind me, can that wait till the morning? Most of the time, the answer is what? No. Yes, it can. Now, for me, it's no. I'm like, no, it cannot wait. It's the most important thing. So it's bad listening to, you know, living with an LPC. She's like, now, honey, do you really want, oh, stop that psychology junk. I mean, I know, but that's when I put myself in too serious of a position. Turn your phone off. It's going to be all right. It's called a message. So here's what I'm doing. I'm going to be with my family. And, and it works, okay? Um, do not check or update social media at all. If you're having a day off, Lisa and I had the greatest experience. We'll have to talk to you about it. But I'll just say we got into Disneyland free with Fast Passes. Greatest story ever. And we made $30 at Disneyland. That's a whole long story. So um, we, didn't, we didn't update social media or do anything. One, because we, we didn't want our kids to see what we got to do. But two... That would, take, that would take our time and let everybody else know something that was our special time. You see what I'm saying? Don't update it. Just get off of it for a day. Sleep late if you can or nap during the day. I take my daughter to school. Okay? On Saturdays, my family knows. Usually, especially during football season. We're up till 1230 or 1. I will sleep until 1030 or 11, then we'll go grocery shopping. That is our rhythm. I sleep late on my day off if I can. And if I can't sleep late, I'll try to nap in the afternoon. Why? Because your body needs the rest. It's all right. How about this one? Uh, go out to eat. Buy yourself with your friends. Like, I have no money. We don't either. You know what we do? We go to Sam's, and they have a hot dog drink combo <laughs> for $1.75. Now it's $1.83. And if you go here to lunch, you can hit all the samples. Guys, I'm telling you, it is awesome. And you can always ask them, I'm a youth minister. I'm hungry. Can I have another one? Up? They'll give me another sample. It's awesome. <laughs> Eat with friends. There's a lot of times, and I, you know, my friend over here, if I'm doing work and I am up in the Louisville area, I will go by the office and we'll eat 
He doesn't need to eat. I don't need to eat. We just go and hang out together. Why? Because it's rest. Okay, how about this one? Do something you enjoy. Do not work on that day. Don't. Do something. You know what I started doing again? I make models. Anybody used to make models as a kid? I love making models. Why? I can start. I can finish them. I have a TV in my garage. I'm like, whoo, ESPN and models. It's so much fun. <laughs> All my kids, they're in school. Lisa's in school. Nobody's bothering me. I got my dog next to me. I'm like, this is so cool drinking my coffee. Are you kidding me? I enjoy that. This one, stay away from the church building and from those you minister to regularly. <laughs> stay away! Dude, you just got pointed to. I know, I sneak <laughs> Both in. of I you guys. I'm not here. The entire ministry staff at the Fairfax Church. I mean, <laughs> dude, stay away. And with youth ministers, everybody thinks that our kids have more time and you have more time. That's not true. Y'all are going nuts. Well, we got some stuff that needs to be moved for our garage sale Saturday morning. Do it Thursday. You're like, what if I get fired? You don't need to work there. Have them call me. I love lecturing leaders that don't understand this because they don't do it. Okay? If they're successful in business, if they're successful as leaders, they practice this. I'm just telling you. Okay? If they don't, they've already burned out and they've lost their families. I'm just, wow, that's on tape. That's just what happens. Okay. <laughs> Weekly, how about this one yearly? Take your vacation. Isn't it? This is not rocket science. Actually take your vacation. Literally, for 15 years of my 30 years in ministry, I left vacation on the table. Am I making this up? I left it on the table. How dumb am I? I could have done a staycation. But somehow, I thought that I was too important. I couldn't take a break. So I had to get things done. Attend conferences. I'm about to tell you about one of those in a second. Come to Pepperdine. Do things like this. is good. And take some strategic time away. This helps too if, you know, some of us who've been in this for a long time, once you start reading these books and you listen to Kara and you listen to all this stuff and some crazy dude says, read this, this book will butcher you. And you start thinking about how do I do ministry? How do I need to do it different in 2018? Go and hang out by yourself. Go to any retreat center. They give you free places. Do you know that? Just go there and say, I want to spend the day. Take a notebook and fill it up. Dream a little bit. Do you know Jesus did that before he selected his apostles? I'm not so sure he had a notebook, but I think he was drawing to the ground going, nope, who's this guy? Oh, i got to take Judas. Okay. How about these other guys? <laughs> there was some process. Yes, sir. Well, I was going to say, you know, I think why we struggle with this a lot, and well, at least I, I know I struggle mm -hmm. with it, and, and still do at times, um, because we have a Messiah complex. Yes. You know, we, and, and about 10, 15 years into youth ministry, I was really deeply into struggling with this sort of stuff. And, not using vacation, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I and I had and one thing I would add on these lists is find a spiritual mentor. Yes. Go sit and it will hold you accountable for things. Um, and I had one at that point, and he gave me uh, Matthew eleven three, and I put it up in front of me, and it's the verse that says, "Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else?" Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> put that one on your mirror right there. And put it, put it up yeah. on your board and make yourself yes. remember you are not the Savior. Someone else so good. Is. That is so good. Thank you. Okay. Now we're not going to watch that video. Take a picture of this, if you will. Um, that is so good. I want you to evaluate your level of self-care. Go get you a cup of coffee. Sit outside and look at the ocean God's provided for us. Skip a session and ask these questions. And I would invite you to let your spouse, if you're married, look at, answer these questions with you. Your, your accountability, your, your, your person that you do ministry with. 
because this is kind of special. I didn't know Scott was going to be here. Scott literally, I met him when I was 14. We've done a lot of ministry together through the years. And he is someone who took me to my first conference after I was in ministry seven or eight years. Yeah, that was not very smart of me. Um, because of my anxiousness of wanting people to like me, I worked and I worked hard because I wanted to be the very best. Nobody would, it had nothing to do with my attitude. It, was, it had to do with a sense of self that I wasn't quite adequate. Is anybody with me on that? So if you let up, somebody's going to find out you're not who you think you are. It came from a part that I needed ministry to. And this man over here would ask me these questions. You've got to have somebody in your life that will do that. And that I had a, a wife, wonderful, that would ask me these questions. But these are things that I would do and I still constantly do in my life to keep me on a self and balance. So you took a picture of that. Let me just kind of turn the corner a little bit. Because now what do you do? I want to give you two things, and there's a reason we're going to talk about hot tubs. One is you practice the things we just went over. You actually start practicing a daily routine, weekly routine, and a yearly routine. You start practicing those things, and after a while, you will start to live a different life, and you'll get your energy back. If you don't practice them, you're not going to get your energy back. I, I'm just telling you, okay? It's not going to work. So you have to start practicing them. You also got to start asking yourself a serious question. Do I need to go visit with a professional? Sometimes the reasons we work so hard is because there's something going on in our lives. Sometimes we always make jokes. How many of y'all are psychology majors other than my wife? Okay, she literally went into you know, psychology not because she had issues. But how many people do we know that went into psychology because they're like going, I gotta figure out what's going on with me. And the cool thing is you gotta go through counseling and your psychology, it's almost like free counseling that goes along with the hours as you're trying to get a degree, it's all good. But I'm telling you, visiting with a professional could be one of the best things you've ever done. If you feel like you cannot practice these things and your life is still out of balance, you make a beeline to the people you've been referring other people to. I did that when I was 30 years old. I wish I would have done it when I was 25. And started discovering, why do I run so hard? Okay? It'll totally bless your ministry. Now, here's the hot tub. Years ago, seven years into ministry, so 23 years ago, my buddy Scott says, we're going to go to San Antonio, NCYM. There's a big one that's down there. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to go down there. Convinced me. He drove up from his little place in Abilene, and we took off, and we drove down there. Um, there was a guy, uh, Wayne Rice, that was speaking. And Wayne's a veteran dude. He's a, he's a great guy. I like him a lot. But he was talking about calling, and he was talking about kind of the burn of ministry. And he used a hot tub as an illustration. He goes, I love hot tubs an awful lot. And so if I go to a hotel and I, and I see the hot tub's dirty, I reach over and if I push the button and it gets enough bubbles, I don't see all the junk in the bottom. And I'll sit in that yucky water. Because I kind of play this joke in my head. There's no junk down there because I don't see it. And then I get out. But when things still, I see the junk. And he goes, the problem with youth ministers is this. We stay so busy, we don't practice the self-care, we keep pushing the button on the hot tub, and your water is yucky. Well, that, I don't even know if you remember, I get all teary-eyed, I'm like, God was just like, <laughs> slapping me around. <laughs> and I walk out, and I'm literally pacing up and down the hall, because at this time, seven years in youth ministry, we lost our preacher. This was my schedule. I'm not proud of this. Um, I was an adjunct professor in Bible. I was on three intramural teams. I was a full-time youth minister. I preached every other weekend. I coached football. And I played on another intramural team with 
with a, a bunch of youth group. We were, we were playing, we were called the Slugs. It's an indoor soccer team. I was doing all of that, and I was working on another master's degree, and, I, and I'm like, what in the world? Fortunately, I didn't have kids, because they would have all been screwed up at that time. And I'm sitting there at that conference, because Scott said we're going. First time I'd been to one, and Rob Duncan, some of y'all know him. We just had lunch with him. He came up. He's whole, he was just a young man at the time. He goes, Dave, I just want to thank you so much for being a mentor of mine, and I lost it. I mean, we're talking snot tears. You know, just, I'm <laughs> he, I bet he thought I was having some kind of breakdown. That sort of was. And I'm just like going, I, I, I just lost it. Because I stopped, I chose not to push the button on the hot tub. Now, I got rid of all that emotion. I could have pushed the button again. But I went back, and I told my elders in the church, I said, I'm not going to teach. I am not going to preach anymore. Every other one. I, I got off all these intramural teams, except the soccer team, and I regained my balance. That's probably the reason I'm standing in front of it, because I wouldn't have lasted. I didn't push the button on the hot tub. I can't make you. I'm not going to jump into your, you know, your iPhone and track you and decide, okay, are you practicing your daily, weekly, or your yearly rituals? But if you do that, you're going to last. You've got to put that oxygen on yourself first. If you can't communicate this to your elders, take, a, take this and show them that chapter. Say, I've got to do this because this is what I want to do. Okay, I have to be more effective. Um, there's a section that's phrases that matter. These are really fun stuff, but I'm just going to end with this one. Um, I love reading the church fathers. I, I'm one of those weird youth ministers that I, I, I sit here. How many of y'all just enjoy Scott McKnight? That kind of theology, I'm just sitting there going, this is awesome. I love that. I'm more of a New Testament guy. But I love reading the church fathers. And part of uh, St. Ignatius, some of his readings, and just living life and, and, and trying to, to live more deeply, um, this is kind of a phrasism that I came up with. And it, it really does help me. And I just want to share this with you as we close where it comes with self-care. This is a reason I wasn't at the youth minister's lunch. Inside of me, I had a little bit of twinge of, ah, should I be there, you know, kind of this old dude, and need to be there. And I'm like, no, nope. I'm with my wife. We hadn't gone to Disneyland by ourselves probably in 20 years because we've always had kids with us. So that's Tuesday was fun. I'm like, I hope you all had fun at the lectureship. I'm like, that was easy because it was free. But then today, we looked at the ocean. We love the ocean. We're ocean dwellers. She could be a mermaid. And all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, let's... Let's go to lunch. And I skipped it. And it was awesome. I literally have no regret. Why did I make that decision? Because of this. Tomorrow night I'll fly home, and our baseball team that I, I help coach them as well. I hate little balls coming at me. I'm just a character guy. But we're playing South Hills in the playoff game. We're going to finish up the series. I won't be there. You know why? Because there's a little girl who's 14 that if I go to that game will look at me and go, Dad just came home. And all she needs me to do is to go walking with her, go to Sonic, sit down, and cuddle. That's all she wants. How can I make those decisions? Because people will miss me. They'll say, Coach, where were you? Okay? Jeff will probably say, Dude, we wish we had you. He understands this. And I feel no regret. Why? Because this right here. I want to live life for those who will be by my bed when I die. I sure hope some of you, dude, if we have a big wreck out here, you're welcome to come to the wedding room, okay? But they'll probably keep me alive until my kids show up. 
Okay? And some of you, I know he would escort those kids into the room and then he'd walk away. You know why? Because you live life for the people who are going to be around your bed when you die. That may be really morbid, but does that not help you clarify things? St. Ignatius said, if you want to make a moral decision, you go to the end of your life and work backwards. This is what this is. You are put depositing, okay, not only your own self-care, but the self-care of your family. And my family has to know, my wife has to know, that she is more important, they are more important than my ministry. That's why Jesus, I believe, said, our relationship, Father, is more important than my ministry. So he left and often withdrew to a lonely place. You see that? That'll wake you up in the morning. All right? Thank you so much for your time. Yes, Scott? I was going to add to that. If, if I stood before God and said, I saved all, helped save all these kids and I lost my own, I don't think God would smile on that. No, he wouldn't. That's why he's my friend. He has those weird questions. Doesn't he like, hey, that's good stuff. Guys, I, I, I want us all to be in this for the long haul. It is an incredible ministry. It is a roller coaster, up and down. Um, but man, it sure is worth it. It keeps me in it. This is what I do. I love that. Somebody will tell you when you're old, they'll say, hey, when are you going to get your own church? And I'm like, never died for one. So they're like, what you're saying is, when are you going to grow up and get a real job? This is a real job. You're a cultural missionary pushing back a lot. I mean, you're doing incredible things. So thank you for what you do. I want to pray over us will be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for, um, man, just this calling to work with teenagers. Father, it is such a different world. Families are different. The culture is different. And Father, we want to be prepared. Father, help us to learn all we need to learn and give us the energy. But Father, first of all, just help us put the mask on ourselves. Help us put the mask on ourselves. Help us breathe deeply into why we believe what we believe. Let us embrace the grace that you offer so we can share it with others. Let us understand this rhythm of eternity that you call us to live in. Father, be with all of us that we will practice now. And be with those who, who may need to visit with someone else, Father, a professional. Would you give them the courage to stop thinking they're better than everybody else and better than your son and go seek help, Father, so they can be the most prepared that they can be not only to serve but also to live life fully. We love you and we thank you and all who agree say. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.